we're going to continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. So uh, go ahead and turn to Acts 19. That's where we left off. I got a new Bible because my last Bible was literally blowing to pieces last time I was up here. So this is a little heavier. So uh, this is kind of a workout. So uh, it's a preacher's Bible. So the 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 the... The positive, or the, the positive thing I didn't even know I was getting in this is the print is larger. And I'm getting older. And so, like, I, I was having to move that Bible closer to my eyes, my old one. And now it's like, whoa, <laughs> like, I can see this a lot better. So, uh, praise the Lord for that. Now, let me start out just before I get into the text today by asking you guys again something that has to do with kind of some of the application we see in it. And that is how many of you guys have been positively affected or blessed by another brother and sister in Christ or maybe even not, just somebody else in general kind of showing that they cared about you um, by something they did for you, like like an act of service or, or something. Okay, well, that means that we're not doing very good as a church if only that many people have their hands raised. Come on, people. Um, no, hopefully, hopefully to some degree, every single one of us has been like positively affected by somebody taking the time to serve us in some way or help us in some way or bless us in some way by some acts of service. I can think of one time in particular about um, almost three years ago where uh, we had our fourth child, uh, Ezekiel, Zeke, and you guys know him, and that was the most um, traumatic of the children being born um, in that uh, I swear I heard after it was done from the Lord, it is finished um, because it was so it's so much different than the other ones. The other other babies were relatively um, Samuel at first had some complications, but like uh, basically with this one, Sarah had high blood pressure, so they were worried about preeclampsia and they were kind of doing extra um, tests to check in on that. And, uh, about a month early, um, her blood pressure was so high that they wouldn't let her go home and they wanted to induce the baby about a month early. So with a preemie baby, there's all these what ifs. And we were in the hospital for three or four days of trying to induce the labor and eventually decided to do a C-section, which was completely new. And that was a crazy experience. Um, and, then her blood pressure wouldn't go back down to normal for a time. So we all said and done, we were in the hospital for almost two weeks. Is that right? I think almost two weeks. And um, it was just kind of a, a stressful time. And all that to say is God was good. Um, there was nothing a matter with Zeke. And my wife never showed any of the symptoms that they were worried she would, other than just having high blood pressure. But it was a stressful time. And uh, I remember that being in the hospital so long pushed us into this week when we were supposed to go home where our flooring was being done in our house. So we couldn't go home. And it was like, what are we going to do? You know, like, where are we going to go? Are we going to have to live in a hotel? And, and a brother in, in the church that owns a kind of like a, a rental that wasn't being used, he's like, you guys can stay here. You know, don't worry about it. Just stay here as long as you guys need to. And so that took a, a huge weight off our chest and knowing we had somewhere to go. And then Several of you in the church family stepped up and provided meals for us, so there was no, you know, having to figure out how to cook in a place that wasn't our own or eating out every night. Like we were just well taken care of, and 
the the positive or the positive thing of that is we felt loved, we felt cared for, but also the Lord used that to alleviate a lot of the stress that was caused by the potential what ifs, the the stuff in in kind of a a hard situation, all that stuff that was going on. A lot of it was made um, easy and in in like just it, it wasn't it wasn't stressful as it could have been because of people's willingness to show they cared and and and, and help us in the way that they could. And I bring that up because we're going to see a great example of God doing that very same thing through Paul in the way that he served the people in Ephesus. And it's a great reminder and example to us that this is one of the main ways God works in people's lives, whether that's unbelievers or believers. In in He works through, he loves to do miracles through, miraculous things through you serving each other. Or through us being faithful to show we care about others by the things we do for them. Okay? Something that we want to pay attention to because this is one of the many ways God's work. So just to recap, back in Acts 19, uh, Acts 19 verses 1 through 7, we started out with seeing Paul. He comes back to Ephesus uh, just like he said he would if the Lord allowed. And he finds some people there. Uh, that like Apollos, they have an understanding of Jesus enough to be considered his disciples, but they don't have the full understanding of of him in that they don't know who the person of the Holy Spirit is. They never heard of this. And so he enlightens them, and they end up getting baptized in the name of Jesus because they had only been baptized in, in the name of John, or they only had an understanding of what John the Baptist te- taught. And then this miraculous thing happens where the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they they have the gifts of the spirit or some of the gifts of the spirit and and that's where we left off all right so we're going to pick it up in verse 8 so let me read the section we're in and then we'll pray and start going through it so it says acts 19 verse 8 and he entered the synagogue this is paul and for 3 months spoke boldly reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of god but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation. He withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannius. This continued uh, for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we go through this section of your word again, Lord, we just ask for understanding um, for that specific word that you want to teach each of us. What a good example this is, Lord, of just how big of work you can do through our meager offering, just the the little things we do. So often it feels like we're just bringing five loaves and two fish when there's thousands of people to feed or there's this great need. But you work through what we have as long as we bring it to you because you're the one that does the work. And what's impossible with us is very possible with you. And you love to take what we bring and multiply it and just uh, produce great fruit in others' lives, in our own lives. And we see a great example of that here, Lord. And so, Father, may this be another encouragement to us to just be intentional about being faithful with those opportunities you give us to serve each other so that we can see you do great things and experience the blessedness that comes with being used by you and that you can do great things in other people's lives 
and they can experience how awesome it is to know you and see you work in their lives. And all God's people said, amen. All right. So it starts out by saying here in verse 8 that Paul entered the synagogue and for three months he spoke boldly reasoning and persuading uh, the Jews there, them, about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, the way, if you guys have been tracking with us, they, this term's used in Acts a couple times and it speaks of Christianity back then. That's what it was known as, the way. Um, so speaking evil the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So Paul, he gets back to Ephesus. He goes to the synagogues, kind of right where he left off. He was, he was at the synagogues before speaking to the Jews, telling them the good news of Jesus, just as we saw him do in Acts 18. And he does this for a period of three months, but eventually the influence of the Jewish religious leaders leads to uh, like a rejection of the truth. And he determines that his time would be spent better else somewhere else teaching the word. And so he moves on from them and he focuses on teaching the word at this place owned by this guy named Tyrannus, uh, a hall or an auditorium, um, that being a Greek name. So Tyrannus was probably some greek gentile or some philosopher some speaker if you will and paul focuses on teaching the word of god there for it says the next two years to anyone who would listen both jews and greeks according to verse 10 and then some of your manuscripts might add a little detail there that i think significant in that it says that he taught daily there from 11 a.m to 4 p.m which historically falls into a time period of the day where people in that culture at that time would take a siesta or a break of sorts during their workday. Basically, they would work from around 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. first half of the day, and then when it was the hottest part of the day, they would take that siesta or they'd take that break. I know we don't know heat like that here, but some places they had that, and so they would take a break, and then they'd go back to work from 4 p.m. to like around 9 at night. So Paul would take advantage of that schedule, it appears here, to teach the word of God. Basically, utilizing that break in the day to when uh, to teach when people would be available to come and listen, and also when this hall used by this guy, Tyrannus, would be available for someone else to use it. And this also shows us just how faithful Paul was with his time in wanting to serve the Lord with the greatest you're using it to serve the Lord to the greatest extent possible as he worked as a tent maker. This is in Ephesus. This is one of the places where he worked as a tent maker, according to Acts 20, 34 through 35, to basically support himself so he could stay there and he could be a minister for the Lord. And so he would have been working those normal hours with most of the people he was ministering to and then utilizing his free time to basically teach them the word of God. And I love this example because in one way or another, this is what all of our lives as believers look like, right? We all have jobs, hopefully, that the Lord uses to provide for our daily needs. He's given those. And those in themselves are very much ministry too. I mean, how many of you have people at your job that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? So those are mission fields, if you will. Those are opportunities to minister there. But also they provide the means for us to live our lives for the Lord. So the outside of those jobs, 
we can serve him in other ways. We can serve him through the relationships we have, whether that be through family, friends. I mean, those are all your kids, your spouse, your neighbors. All those are opportunities to serve the Lord. And then there's formal ministries within, you know, whether it's in this church here where you can serve him, your church family, or in the community that you also serve him. But in one way or another, it kind of looks like Paul's life. You're serving him in your job, and then you're also figuring out how to serve him in your free time. It's in essence what every volunteer in this church does that make this service able to happen. They have a normal job. It's what I did before becoming a pastor for five years um, or for the last five or so years. Before that, most of my Christian life was working a job outside of church. And that was a mission field in itself, a ministry for the Lord and a blessing from the Lord because it gave me a lot of free time as well to use to serve the Lord in other capacities. And it always a constant, it was always a constant um, seeking the Lord and how to best do that because life changes quickly, right? And your kids and your, uh, they grow up and so different seasons of their, of their life uh, demand different uh, amounts of your time and ministering to them and not neglecting them and your wife and in, in other ministries. So it's a constant changing thing, but it's seeking the Lord to live just like Paul did. And the thing I want to point out is when we do that, God is faithful to use it. And boy, did he use it in Paul's life or he used his faithfulness to have a huge impact in this community because what does verse 10 says? It says, how many of the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord? It says all of them, okay? That's not like a typo. Basically, to some degree, all of the residents of Asia were allowed to hear the Lord. And this is a great example of how timing matters with God's will as well. Because if you remember back in Acts 16, didn't Paul try to go to Asia? And the Holy Spirit didn't let him. For some reason, God had other things planned. And now he allows him to come. And now it's a real fruitful ministry. And this timing was perfect in that everyone there is able to hear the word of God. Now everyone believed, but everyone heard. Surely not all from Paul, but he having been called by the Lord to specifically be a teacher of God's word, he's able to equip the believers there, as he talks about in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 12, to do the specific work they were called to. The same thing I'm doing with you today. I'm called to teach the word of God to equip you to go and do the specific work God has called you to in your life. And then you go and do that, and that's what they did. They went out, told uh, the other the good news about Jesus to other people, and that led to some people getting saved. And they went and told other people about Jesus until everyone in Asia had heard the word of God. And it's a great picture to us of how God uses the church as a whole to accomplish his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Every single one of us has an intricate part to play in God's plan. And when we're doing that, that's when God's church functions the best. Amen? And it's a reminder to us to make sure that we're involved in that work is God didn't save a single one of us to sit on the sidelines. We can't, and they're never asked by God to do everything, but we are called to be doing something. And the Lord has gifted each one of us uniquely and called us the specific things to do for him. And if we fail to do this, we're not the only ones missing out on the blessing God intends, but the people that we're supposed to be ministering to are also missing out. 
And if, uh, one of the telltale signs is if you feel like your relationship with the Lord is kind of dry or you're not seeing him do things like you see in the book of Acts, you see just like this vibrant Christianity, like like there's just opportunities to tell people about Jesus and, and people are responding. If we're not seeing that in our lives, there might be a telltale sign that we're not in those things that God wants us to be doing for him. We're in a sense kind of sitting on the sidelines instead of being in the game. And so this is one of those things where we gotta be we gotta be partners with God. Last week I talked about how um you know like as far as God filling you with the Spirit to do His will, it's not just like a magical formula that all of a sudden it 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 makes you do things and, and he just fills you to do whatever you want to do. You have to be submitted and, and, and surrendered to his will. And then as you in faith move forward into what he tells you to do, he enables you by his Holy Spirit to do it. And it's the same with serving people. How many of you have found that you don't have a natural tendency to want to put people above yourself? That you can be selfish sometimes. That you can think that I just don't have enough time. I'm really, really busy. And if we go off of our feelings and let that dictate when we're going to serve others or when we're going to do things for God, here's the thing. You're never going to do anything. Our feelings are deceptive so often, and that's why we have the word of God. Because when we feel the, like the Holy Spirit, when the, we know we should be doing something for God. And I have this feeling like, I don't know if I really feel like doing it or or I don't know if I have the time. That's where I have the choice to partner with God and in faith do what he's telling me to do. And then he'll enable you by your Holy Spirit, to by his Holy Spirit to do it. And he will do something miraculous through it and not waste it. Amen. That's how it works. That's that's what we're constantly learning as a Christian to be obedient to God. So he can do what he wants to do in us and through us. And that's what you see happening here with Paul. It's not just for Paul. It's for all of us. And it says in verse 11, And God was doing extraordinary, extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons, basically these are the things he would use to make tents. Uh, handkerchiefs are more like a sweatband and aprons would be kind of like a leather one. Like you'd see a blacksmith or somebody wear and 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 so these were things that he'd wear when he was working so god's using even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them so we're told here that god's doing miraculous things through paul uh in ephesus um through his faithful work as unto the people there basically in serving them and he's using or he used his clothing articles Basically, to heal people of their diseases and to cast out demons. Demons, and there's three main things I want you to take away, or we're going to discuss regarding this, what he's doing here through Paul. The first being, it was God doing these miraculous works. I want you to note that it was God doing these miraculous works. Paul was simply the person that God chose to work through, or it was by His hands, as verse 11 says. But it was clearly God that was doing these miraculous things. And here's the reason it's important to know this, especially in the times we live in today, because Jesus warns us in Mark 13, 21 through 23, then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah or there he is, don't believe it for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones or Christians, basically. 
Watch out. I have warned you about this ahead of time. Anytime Jesus is saying he's warning us something uh, about something ahead of time, we should listen to that and highlight it or underline it. Because Jesus, what he's saying there is that in the last days, there would be those who claim to be the Messiah or Savior or claim to be speaking on his behalf. Or the idea is that they claim to be from God or speaking on behalf of God. They claim to be representatives of God. And they're going to be doing things that appear pretty miraculous and using those things in an attempt to get you to believe their false gospel. Instead of believing in the one and only true God in his son, Jesus, in the true gospel. And those signs and wonders are what they're going to try to use as proof of who they are. And what this tells you is don't believe people saying they're from God based off their signs and wonders alone. And he even points out that Christians are even going to be susceptible to this. And so that's a warning we want to take heed to. And and the one thing that I would point out is the key to spotting them out is that they will be giving somebody other than the true God glory or credit for those signs and wonders. Because they say they're representing him, but they're not really representing him. And there's other places that give us other, other things to watch out for as far as you know, people drawing you away from the true God and Jesus and drawing them to themselves. But in one way or another, they're going to be giving credit to these signs and wonders to somebody other than God. And any true miracle, if it is a true miracle, it can only be done by God. All right. So he's the only one that should get glory from it. And that includes anyone that's, in a sense, putting too much emphasis on themselves as being special in some way and saying, like, I'm the reason for these miracles. You should follow me because I've got special talents. I've got special powers. No, God is the reason for any miracle. He is the one behind it, and he is the only one that deserves the recognition. Amen? So that's the first thing I want you to notice, all right? It was God doing these. Here's the second thing I want you to note. They were... They were out of the ordinary. The the term extraordinary is used regarding these miracles in verse 11, which means they were something that didn't happen very often or it wasn't something that God typically did. Now, this could be referring to the act of healing people from their sickness or casting demons out, but I don't think it is because you see multiple examples of that happening all throughout the New Testament. What I think it's referring to is it seems more likely that it's talking about the means by which God did the miracles, which was working through Paul's work clothes. The Bible showing us throughout that God can't be confined to a box in the way he works in that you see multiple examples of him doing things differently and new all the time, right? Especially healing people. There's lots of different ways. You see Jesus heal people. You see God heals people. And almost never the same way. And that shows us that there's no specific formula to follow to get God to perform a miracle for you. Or in a sense, you can't just like look at this and say like, oh, I'm going to give I'm going to take my apron off that I was cooking with and give it to somebody and just like say a special blessing over it. And then it's going to guarantee to heal them or cast out a demon that we'd be wrong to do that. That's not the point here. And some Christians Christians have and still mistakenly do that. And, and, and like you see people sometimes trying to sell certain things like materials or articles of clothing saying there's some special anointing or some special blessing on them. And if you have it, you're going to be prosperous or you're going to be super blessed. If, if you have this thing, just buy this. It's only $29.95. You can have Chris suit sandals and wear them and then you will be walking like Jesus. No, that's not how it works. 
And you see some people actually put stock into things too. Like when you go to, uh, if we, if the Lord allows us to take another trip to Israel, um, when you go there, there's a, a lot of superstition amongst the, the different, uh, in, especially in Jerusalem, the, the things where Jesus like supposedly died and stuff. I remember, I forget what the name of the church is. Um, the church where supposedly it's, it's built on the place where he was crucified. There you go. Holy sepulcher. So there, there's a granite slab that supposedly his body lied on when he died, even though the tour guide said it's been replaced many times over the years. But people treat it as this special place of healing. Like they, they come there thinking that if I touch this, I'll be healed. Some of these people, not even Christians, like basically they just think there's some special power in this thing. And what I want to point out here is that there was nothing miraculous about the sweat bands or aprons here. It was simply the mechanism that God used for these people to help them direct their faith to him so he could help them with what they were dealing with. Similar to the way God used Peter's shadow to heal sick people in Acts 5 or similar to the woman that reached out and touched the hem of Jesus's garment that stopped her hemorrhaging in Matthew 14 or similar to like last week, we following the example we see in scripture of laying on hands when we pray for people or even like James 5 where it says that if you're sick, you should come to the elders and we'll pray for you and anoint you with oil. God may be choosing to use this method here in knowing that the people of Ephesus were kind of a superstitious people. We'll see that in the following verses in the coming weeks when we go through it. But they were a superstitious people. So maybe he knew that, well, if one person, I mean, God knows all things, whatever he did, he had his reasons. But he saw like that if one person sees that, shoot, if I if I touch the clothes of this guy that's preaching Jesus and I look to God to heal me and I'm healed, then another person's going to do that, thinking, well, I need to listen to this guy and hear what he's saying too and, and believe in this God, and then I'll be healed. Like He knew that this would be the most effective way for people to listen to what Paul was saying and get saved. That was the goal, all right? But only God knows those things. But he chose to use this method, obviously, for the benefit of these people. Not that God is pleased with our superstitions, but in his mercy, he'll use whatever means he needs you to get us to a place to have faith in him. And this is the same applies with us as Christians because we don't often struggle with believing that God is able to heal us, right? I mean, we believe God is great and big and he can do anything he wants. So it's not a struggle with believing if he can heal us, but rather is he willing to heal us or is he willing to help us? We don't question his ability, but rather his willingness. And so our faith can waver because of that, even though we're called to live by faith and not by sight, right? Second Corinthians 5, 7. It says, we're called to live based off of what God says in his word, what he tells us, not by what we see or perceive. But God, as good as he is, as gracious as he is, as merciful as he is, bears with us. And he knows that sometimes Chris Suits needs to see something so that he believes. And he gives you that tangible thing to kind of help trigger your faith so it's not wavering and it's stable. Like last week, when we were kind of following the example we see in scripture where we were praying for people that wanted to receive the Holy Spirit and we laid hands upon them, it wasn't anything special or magical about laying hands on somebody that made the difference on whether they received the Holy Spirit or not. 
All that did was help people that maybe had a lack of faith or a wavering faith have the faith they needed to believe that God is simply going to do what he says he's going to do. He's going to fill me with the spirit because he says if I need it and I ask, he will. And he gives us that visual mechanism to help us have the faith we need. Amen. And God responds to that faith by doing miracles just as he did here. So that, again, the power isn't in the material or physical act. It's in God in placing our faith in him. And that leads to the third thing I want to note here, the third and final thing. And that is the means God used for the miracles reflected the reason for them. The means God used for the miracles reflected the reason for them. The ultimate reason God healed these people was why? Because he loved them. Okay? And that love was demonstrated through Paul's actions in his service to them, which God was able to work through in a miraculous way. All around us in this world, we see people hurting, especially like we see here. Those that are uh, hurting with uh, sickness or dealing with sickness or they're facing some sort of affliction as a result of being subjected to the evil in this world. In a nutshell, that kind of sums up all the problems of the world, all right? And that's the same thing these guys were dealing with here in Ephesus that Paul was ministering to. And those sweatbands and aprons that God used as a means for people to place their faith in him so he could help them with their afflictions also showed God's love to these people through Paul physically demonstrating it by his actions. You see, six days a week, here's Paul working in Ephesus, mornings and evenings, sewing together tents to support his ministry in Ephesus so he can be there and minister to these people. And then he's spending his free time in between his work, teaching these people the word of God. And he kept up that schedule for two years. Why? Number one, because God called him to it. But also, number two, for the sake of the people, because of the love he had for them. Paul tells us himself in in the next chapter, Acts 20, 33 through 35, when he's talking to the leadership in Ephesus, he says, I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes, which makes you think that somebody must have been accusing him of that, like doing things for selfish gain. He's saying, "I, I didn't do anything for any type of gain for myself. He goes on in verse 34 and he says, you know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs. And even the needs of those who are with me are basically the proofs in how I live my life. I didn't try to get anything from you guys. I supported myself. I even supported other people that were with me, ministering with me. It says in verse 35, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And that right there speaks of the ultimate reward that Paul was seeking Something that God had taught him over his life of following Jesus in that you will be way more blessed in serving others than being served. Paul wasn't concerned with getting anything from the people, but rather focused on what he had to offer them, basically Jesus. So he worked hard to support himself and others who were with him so that nobody would think any differently. So it, so he could stay and minister to them. And in the process, he also gave him an example to follow of Living to serve others, knowing that that is what would make these people the most blessed. Because that's countercultural to what we're taught in this world. We're taught to kind of look out for ourselves first and foremost. 
And that's not the example Jesus came because I'll tell you what, the son of God came to live as a man to die, not for himself, but for us. He sacrificially loved us. And that's the example we're to follow. So often, like I said, in our flesh, we can have this mentality that God is working out of us of me first. What can people do for me? And sometimes if we're not careful, we can bring that into the church, right? What can this church do for me? Do they have this? Do they have that? And I'm not saying that's all bad. I mean, there are things that like are good. Like if you have kids, you want a, a good kids program to teach them the word. You know, you want things to kind of line up with where you're at doctrinally and, and, and like like the things that are important. Make sure they're teaching the word of God accurately, stuff like that. That's important. But at the same time, we need to be realizing that we're not only here to be served, but we're here to serve others. So that not only we're blessed, but they're blessed because God has a plan for you to use you in a miraculous way. And that's what Jesus, that's the example he gave us. Not to be selfish or self-centered, but to be selfless and other-centered. And can you imagine what type, what like what this world would be like if everyone had this mentality? I know that we can't. We can't, apart from the Holy Spirit, have this mentality. But imagine if everyone just walked around with a kind of an attitude of like, I wonder what I can do to bless somebody today. Wouldn't this world just, wouldn't that like solve almost all the problems? And whereas people in this world that don't know Jesus, they have an excuse. That's just not our flesh. That's not our natural tendency. We can through the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, this is one of those partnering things where we know God says this. This is the example Jesus set when he washed his disciples' feet. Said, hey, this is the example I'm leaving for you before I go. This is what you're to do. Even the lowest thing you can imagine, that servant heart. And the people in Ephesus saw those sweatbands and aprons as a visual reminder of what Paul did for them. And it impacted them. And that compassion and care Paul demonstrated for them with his actions made them want to listen to what he had to say. It actually gained him an audience because he said they saw that this guy doesn't just say the right thing. He doesn't just say he cares about us. He's not just talking about God's love. He actually does. Look at what he's doing for us. And that gained him an audience with them, and they listened to what he had to say, and there was much fruit from it because many people got saved. Amen? And then the Lord was able to help them with things that they were afflicted with, like sickness and being demon-possessed. He was able to do miraculous things and give them breakthrough in their lives, all through Paul's faithfulness just to serve them. And I want to end on that point because so too in our lives – we have people all around us, our family, our co-workers, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters in Christ that are looking for help with the hard things this world throws at them, just like these people in Ephesus were. And if we're willing, like Paul, to not only say we love them, but we're willing to take the time to practically show it by serving them, then God will use it to save them and change them. Now, for Paul, that was or that involved sweat rags and aprons as he was tent making. Maybe for you and me, that's just making a meal for somebody. Maybe that's dropping by unexpectedly because, you know, they're going through something hard or making a phone call and just say, hey, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? You need help with anything? Maybe it's through 
volunteering in kids ministry and taking the time to love and minister their kids so they can sit through a church service. It could be several different ways, but we should always be on this lookout for the numerous opportunities God gives us every day to help others, especially those that are discouraged or depressed or dealing with hard things to let them know that they're cared about and loved. And when we're faithful to do that, God is going to use your sweatbands and aprons to do miraculous things in their lives because that's what God does. And in the process, you're going to realize what Paul had come to understand that it's way more blessed to give than it is to receive or that there is a blessing and a happiness that God gives you through serving other people and seeing him use you in their lives to bring happiness to them, to set them free from affliction, to save them, that you can't get any other way. And as you see that, then it becomes easier to do it. Just like any lesson in life. As soon as you see that it's good for you, that results in blessing, you don't have to work so hard to do it. Amen? And you have to look no further than Jesus to see the ultimate example of this. As he loved you so much, he sweat blood for you in the garden of Gethsemane, according to Luke 22, 44, as he prayerfully prepared to take upon himself all the sins of the world. He didn't have a sweatband, but he wore a crown of thorns. Again, that spoke of what he was willing to do for you because of his great love for you so that you could be forgiven of your sin and reconciled to God. And to those of us that have come to understand that love and believed in him, we've been healed from the sickness of sin, amen? We've been freed and delivered from the evil oppressive hold that the enemy has in this world. His love continually provides relief in our life from all the hard things we have to face every day. And because of this great love that's been shown to us and what it's done in our lives, that's what drives us to want to use it and share it in other people's lives. Amen? Yes. I'm glad someone's excited about that. (laughs) So again, my encouragement to you guys as the worship team comes up here is simply just intentionally be aware of the opportunities and these opportunities come every day of your life every day because if you're around other people it's through those relationships that god wants to use you so you're around your kids every day you're around your spouse every day you're around your co-workers every day you're around your brothers and sisters in christ every day there are people around us all the time and there are always opportunities that the holy spirit is telling us Hey, do this, say this. I just made you aware of this need in their life because I want you to do something about it. And then at that point, you will have the choice to either in faith, despite even what your flesh might say, oh, I don't have time. Oh, I'm scared. I don't know if I should do that. To listen and obey and then God will empower you by his Holy Spirit to do something great. Because he's not into doing little things. Even the little things have a way of growing into big things with God. Amen? He'll take your five loaves and two fish and feed thousands. And when you see that, it gets a little easier and easier every time to like, man, I want my life just to be about like Paul. I just want my day to be filled with serving Jesus. I'm going to serve him at work. 
I'm going to serve him in my free time. I'm just serving Jesus. You get to be like Paul in Romans 1 where he identifies himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. His identity wasn't in his calling. It was that, oh, I'm a servant. The idea of that word in the Greek, bond servant. Oh, I'm, I'm a willing servant. He doesn't force me to do I get to serve Jesus. This is the greatest privilege of my life. I'm so thankful for everything he's done for me, and I'm so thankful he uses me to do anything, and I love nothing more than to see him work in other people's lives. Amen? Over this last month, I've had a privilege of just being reminded by God how awesome it is to see him work. And this is like Christianese 101 stuff. I'm just like having conversations with people I'm counseling or talking to people that I know are newer believers. And they're listening to the word of God and it's changing them. Like they're realizing all the things that were wrong in their life because God's in He's renewing their minds. Like it says in Romans 12. And they're seeing that every time they listen to him, it amounts to good things. And they're just hungry to know more. And they're not like, like, uh, defensive against it they're just like what whatever god says and it's the coolest thing to watch i'm just sitting back it's not me it's not it's it's god's word and it's just like whoa that's right this is what god's done for me and i love seeing it it's the greatest thing to see i mean honestly it's it's why you know first like paul first and foremost this is what god's called me to do but this is why i'm doing it Because I want to see other people set free. I want to see them saved. I want to see them experience the same love I have that's changed my life. Amen? That's why we're here. That's why the Lord hasn't come back yet. So that's my exhortation to you. Because every single one of you have important, critical things that God wants to be doing in your lives and through your lives. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you so much for what you have done and what you are doing i thank you that you would use me to do anything lord because the longer i live for you the more helpless i realize i am and and realize it ain't me at all there's nothing special i i am bringing to the table and in the great stuff you're doing it's it's like this stuff it's just apparent this is this is god doing it only god can heal the sick only god can set people free from demons lord you're the only one that can save us and you're the only one that can change us. And so it's always you working in us. It's always you working through us. And we just love to see it. It's just further proof of how real you are and how awesome you are. And so, Lord, we just we want to be faithful. We want to be like Paul. We want to fight that tendency of our flesh to be fearful or to make up excuses or to tell us what not to do and just listen to what your word says and trust you in faith and partner with you so that you can empower us to accomplish your good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, Lord, help us do that. And may we leave here today and be those that not only say amen and and take notes and, in a sense, be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. We want to go from here, and the first opportunity you give us to do this today, we want to, in faith, do it. And then watch you go to work, Lord. So I pray you'd help us do that. And if there's specific things that maybe you've been stirring up in some of us that we're not, you know, whatever the reason is, we haven't been faithful to step out and listen. Ways you want us to serve somebody in our lives or show them 
that we practically love them. Bring those to our attention, Lord. Because we don't want to miss out and we don't want them to miss out on what it is you want to do in their lives. So bring those to our attention so that we can we can do them in your power, by your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.